Manchester City's 2-2 draw with Liverpool last Sunday was a superb display of elite football. A thrilling clash between two excellent coaches and two outstanding teams. And on Saturday, they'll do it all again in the FA Cup semi-final. But this time, there has to be a winner. Can Liverpool stay on course for a quadruple or will City enhance their hopes of a treble? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Manchester City's last game against Atletico Madrid had the kind of violence and intrigue that Mark O'Hare lives for. Mark, it's been a great week for City. They kept top spot in the league. They reached the semi-finals of the Champions League. They'll now face Real Madrid in that particular competition. What did we learn from that 2-2 draw against Liverpool last weekend that can maybe help us for this weekend? Um, we learned that the market was probably... Correct. Um, City are still rated as the, the best team in the world and for a good reason. I think they had the, the edge in that match. I think they created plenty and you know Liverpool made many many mistakes, it must be said. But um Man City looked potent going forward. And if they weren't able if they failed to convert a couple of those opportunities they created, they could have won that match. Um but uh yeah, I mean it, it's fascinating going into this game. Last week we 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 want a, a repeat of that, don't we? Really, it was a real classic, but um no, no two games tend to be the same. I know sort of Liverpool and, and City played out a 2-2 earlier in, in the season as well, but at Wembley now, the, the stakes are different. So, um, yeah, it, it's an intriguing one, really. Um, you know, I, I did question the prices last week and I was happy to be proven slightly wrong there, but I still think you need to try and find your own sort of betting edge wherever you can get it. And, you know, I think Stinch made a, a great point as well about how, you know, at this level, uh, the market's very rarely wrong. But, um, you know, if these two teams are rated around equal, we probably see both around sort of 2.75 going into this game. City do have the edge around 2.65 uh, as we're speaking. But that price has moved out since Wednesday night. Obviously, as you say, City involved in that really taxing Champions League tie against Atletico. They picked up a couple of injuries along the way as well with Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker. We don't know the full extent of those. Uh, it looks like Walker will, will probably definitely be out and that will require a reshuffle defensively. Um, and that's slightly concerning because Ruben Diaz was on the bench. Is he fit enough to play 90 minutes? He could come in at centre-half and Laporte could switch to left-back. And then you're changing three of that back four um, from midweek. Uh, the alternative is to have Nathan Ake in there at left-back. And, and you know, that would be uh, quite a, well, I wouldn't call it a, a massive disaster, but it'd be quite concerning. Uh, I think Liverpool will be licking their lips at the prospect of that in particular. So that's something to bear in mind. And obviously Pep Guardiola said after the match against Atletico, I know he's not one for hyperbole normally, is he? But he said, uh, you know, they're pretty much um, running into a bit of a, a mini disaster at the minute with the injuries and, and the fatigue building up. And you compare it to Liverpool, Liverpool, uh, who were able to sort of change, make seven changes, uh, bring many players in and out of the team throughout that match against Benfica. A bit of a luxury, really, as well, playing at Anfield before this match, too. So, you know, if you're looking for a slight edge in a team, it certainly has to be with Liverpool in terms of the, the schedule recently, uh, the recovery time, and also what they've had to sort of exp expend in their legs in the last couple of, couple of matches, and even over the last fortnight, really, too. So I'm kind of coming into this match in a very similar mindset as I was last weekend really I think the draw is again a really big runner um, and I just find it so difficult to split the two and if I had to I would be on Liverpool's side but 
clearly there's this match being a neutral territory rather than away. You're never going to get the plus 0.5 Asian handicap start, but you can get Liverpool draw no bet at around uh, even money, which I think is fair enough. But I'll be back in this game to go to extra time again. So I think the draw is, is the most appealing of the plays again. Don't think Pep Guardiola will find too much sympathy when it comes to his squad strength, truth be told. Uh, the data doctor will see you now. Jake Oscarthorpe here from InfoGoal once again. Jake, Liverpool could still win the quadruple. And I know you've been working on some probabilities, not just of that happening, but of their individual successes as well. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, at, at current time of speaking, the, the competition where they've got the least chance of actually winning uh, is actually the FA Cup, where... They go into the game at the weekend. We're giving them a 43% chance of qualifying past Manchester City and a 31% chance of lifting the trophy. They're a 34% chance of winning the Premier League trophy. And after the results in midweek with the Champions League, particularly the uh, Villarreal's conquering of Bayern Munich, Liverpool are actually our favourites to to lift the old big-eared trophy at 40%. So, um, you know, roundabout, if you shop around, you could probably get 14 to 20 to 1 around Liverpool doing the quadruple. Uh, based on our calculations, it, it should be closer to around 22 to 1. We're giving them a 4.3% chance of, of doing what would be an unprecedented quadruple. And, you know, it, it would be absolutely astonishing if they were to win all four and, and probably go down in one of the, the sort of biggest achievements in, uh, in team history across any sport. Um, but, you know, there, there is also a chance, you know, we focus on Liverpool with a quadruple. There's also a chance City could do a, a, a sort of more traditional treble with an FA Cup, Champions League and Premier League. So really, really fascinating. And it does look as though, I'm not getting ahead of myself because obviously whoever wins this FA Cup tie at the weekend has to play another game in the final. But it does look as though the, you know, those three competitions, the League, FA Cup and Champions League will all be decided by head-to-head clashes because whoever gets through out of Liverpool City in the FA Cup, we would expect them to be strong favourites to lift the trophy against either Chelsea or Palace. Um, and, you know, the Premier League title is going to be decided between the pair and it does look very likely that the Champions League final will be decided between Liverpool and Manchester City with both teams given um, around, well, Man City are a 67% chance to, to make it to the final, Liverpool 76% according to the Infocom model. So, it really is fascinating uh, and it just goes to show how strong both teams are. They're playing at sort of unprecedented levels. I think I touched on that last week in terms of their underlying processes. And yeah, uh, I think both of them slightly unfortunate that they're in the same era because if, if they weren't, they'd be sweeping up every single honour. Good for us though, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Have, yeah, it's fantastic for teams. the neutral. Yeah. Um, two of the best teams probably in the world, not just in England. Informed tipster and odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe has been absolutely flying recently. Tipped up Kevin De Bruyne as an anytime scorer last Sunday. Stinch, how do you see this latest clash of the titans between City and Liverpool? I think it's a little bit tricky at the time of recording because of what Mark mentioned regarding De Bruyne and Kyle Walker injuries. I think obviously De Bruyne a massive part of what City are doing this season. I don't think it's any surprise that he was probably the best player on the pitch last weekend. Um, but as Mark mentioned already, you can you can see that the prices are moving uh, against City as a result. But yeah, at the time of recording, we don't really know the extent. So it's difficult to have too strong a opinion um, on, on those odds 
given the fact that I think there was nothing really untoward with with the prices last weekend. I think um, there's no odds available at the moment, but I'm quite surprised if you kind of look across the board at the uh, the corner line. Um, the corner line is set at, at 10.5, and these two teams are so good at keeping the ball. They don't tend to play like aimless balls over the top that might result in a sort of uh, a 50-50 race and then maybe the uh, the wide man picks up a, a nick off defender to get round for, for a corner. Um, so having looked at like previous head-to-heads and how the game played out on, on Saturday, I don't, sorry, on Sunday, I don't really envisage it playing out any different this weekend. There was only five corners um, at the weekend and if you look back to the previous meetings over the last few years there's only been seven seven six and three so given the fact the corner line set at around about 10.5 I think you could take advantage and have some juicy prices on sort of under seven under eight under nine uh, around about sort of you know seven to two uh, starting with sort of under seven um, I would I would have a look there because I think also with the the Wembley pitch I think it's slightly bigger than the Etihad uh, or, or maybe it might be similar in size I'm not quite sure but both teams are obviously very good at squeezing up and catching the opposition offside and they don't tend as I said they don't tend to play aimless balls it's more about controlling the game and I also think after maybe a what's been perhaps an energy sapping week I think both teams will maybe look to have more control over the game than perhaps what it what it played out last weekend so maybe even um, unders uh, given the fact that uh, that's the outsider in the market under 2.5 goals chalked up 11 to 10 maybe there's a um, a train of thought that perhaps it will be a lower scoring game than last weekend particularly if De Bruyne doesn't make it given the fact of his, his goal scoring prowess this season so maybe you could even look a bit further and have like a, a juicy price on perhaps 0-0 sort of around about 14 to 1. Now we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet so Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sports book even when there is VIR reviews or when there's a penalty. Going to throw loads of different tips at you today from Europe, from the Premier League, the EFL and beyond. Mark, kick us off in Spain why don't you because Villarreal as we know stunned by Munich in midweek by knocking them out of the Champions League. I imagine they'll be all partied out, won't they, by the time they <laughs> get to uh, Getafe? And it's a Getafe side that needs the points. Yep, uh, two teams we've touched on uh, a fair bit recently for varying reasons. And uh, Getafe for their resurgence under Kike Sanchez-Flores and Villarreal due to those Champions League exploits and effectively shifting their focus from La Liga to European competition. Um, pulled off a, an Emery masterclass, really, uh, across those two legs against Bayern Munich. And we'll have had time to, to soak up that success, no doubt. But as you say, they'll probably be celebrating a fair bit. Even the players not involved will be uh, quite pleased and obviously on a bit of a high after that achievement. So I'm expecting rest and rotation again from Villarreal here. Uh, they made 11 changes last week for the game against Athletic. Um, Pau Torres was suspended, but... 10 other changes. Um, I'm not expecting quite the same sort of level of rotation, but I'm sure there will be some. And uh, obviously it makes them a lot less attractive as a, as a pre-match proposition. Um, so I think you need to bear that in mind. And I think, you know, I think this is a, a potentially tricky game for them. Um, I mentioned last week, um, Athletic are not the kind of team you want to play when you're potentially distracted or have your eyes elsewhere. Uh, Katafe are certainly in the same mould as that. Um, 
And I think, you know, the transition from being on that high to your bread and butter league match um, after a draining and quite historic performance is, is difficult to, to manage, really. So Getafe, I want to keep them on side. Um, they've been going great guns, really, under Flores. Uh, going back to the, the end of October, their record reads seven wins, eight draws, six defeats. That would have them ninth in La Liga, which is very respectable and just goes to show the great job that, that he's done since coming in there, going in there. Uh, last week, they were beaten at the Bernabeu by Real Madrid, but that, that's no real crime, really. And look, their, their record at the Coliseum has been superb. Um, seven wins, three draws, zero defeats under Flores. Seven clean sheets from 10 at home. They scored 18 goals. They've beaten Real Madrid here. They are the artists at keeping things tight, competitive, uh, and can be quite intimidating as well to, to their opposition. So if Villarreal's heads aren't in the game, it's going to be a really difficult tie for them. So I've got Getafe ranked eighth on expected points over the last 16 games. Um, as I say, they're ninth under Kike Sanchez-Flores in terms of points earned. They've got the third best defence in that spell as well. But at home, uh, those 10 games which I mentioned, nobody has got a better points per game record than Getafe over the last 10 games in La Liga, which is... Quite remarkable, really, for a team battling against the drop. And you compare it with Villarreal, um, just three away league games they've won all season. Their last three away from home, they've lost without scoring. At Levante, relegation candidates. Cadiz, relegation candidates. And Osasuna, mid-table obscurity with nothing to play for. So Villarreal are averaging 0.87 goals per game away from home. And I think uh, this is a, a really tough spot for them. So Getafe, double chance and under three and a half goals is available at 1.8. I heard Osasuna's new shirts are going to have mid-table obscurity, nothing to play for, uh, put across <laughs> the front of the shirts. Uh, Tottenham's push for the top four continues as they face Brighton. Jake Spurs in super form right now, but Brighton did stun Arsenal last weekend. Yeah, that was a uh, sort of nice change of pace for Brighton, really. They used, used to losing games and winning the XG battle. It was completely the opposite last weekend. They uh, lost the XG battle quite considerably still managed to come away with a win. But I do think it's going to be a really tough task for them to go to Spurs and actually beat them because this Spurs team are really, really purring uh, under Antonio Conte. And, uh, just for some perspective as to how good they've been since Conte arrived, um, only City and Liverpool have been better in attack based on expected goals for per game. And only City, Liverpool and Chelsea have been better based on expected goal difference per game since Conte took over. The same three teams, the current top three, uh, have only been uh, the only ones that have bettered their expected points per game haul as well. So they are performing like the fourth best team in the league. They have closed that gap to Chelsea quite considerably. Um, and, you know, the way in which they're playing from a, a, an attacking perspective, they're becoming a bit of a joy to watch. And, um, you know, just again, more context is just around how much Conte has improved them. So if you remember last week, I talked about the expected goal difference per game since 2014 and the fact that. The top nine teams in that span were all Liverpool um, and, and Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City, sorry. So if we take uh, Spurs' XG expected goal difference per game under Conte, which is plus 0.88, if they could maintain that over a full season, that would actually rank them as the 13th best team in goals ever seen from a, 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 an expected goal difference standpoint. Well, you're going to get Tottenham fans excited now, Jake. Well, the, it's, this is all in my here. column on betting. <laughs> Betfair, yeah, if you want to get even more excited. Um yeah, so good the, plug there. Excellent, yeah. Jake. I like that. Good. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been practicing. Can you tell? <laughs> but all in all, it's just it's just basically me saying that this Tottenham team are are legit. They are for real, um, and Conte deserves a hell of a a lot of credit for the way he's, he's turned them around. So, you know, we 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 all know that things were weren't working for Nuno, but. I think I was banging on at the start of the season that the, the levels that they were playing under Nuno were actually relegation levels um, from an XG standpoint. 
And, you know, Conte's improved their expected goal difference by 1.4 expected goal per game. So he's basically turned them from a relegation candidate into a top four um, tip level team. And if, if you put a Nuno-led side for a full season alongside a Conte-led side for a full season, the Conte side would be expected to pick up nearly 30 more expected points based on the, the uh, underlying numbers that they posted, which I just thought was staggering. I mean, how a manager can have such an impact is incredible, really. Um, and, I, and I do think it doesn't bode well at all for, for Brighton because while they did beat Arsenal um, quite comfortably, uh, sorry, not quite comfortably, they were very, very fortunate to beat Arsenal and that, that ended a really bad run of form. In general, this season, they've been really poor away from home. So their expected goal process at uh, at the Amex has been really strong. Results haven't. And it's been the other way around, um, away from home. They've actually got better results away from home, but the process has been poor. Um, but any team that's allowing around 1.5 expected goals against per away game head into Spurs, I'd be quite worried for because they are creating an enormous amount of chances, particularly at home. Um, and I'm just wanting to get them on side. The Around 1.5 on the exchange just to win the game. It's a little... I think that they, I think that, that price could prove too big in itself. I think that the gulf between these teams is probably bigger. But it's a little bit too short to back as a single. So... I just thought the way in which they're attacking Spurs, uh, and obviously, I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden maybe waved a, a magic wand and the defense is sort of cured of all kind of mistakes because it's not. They're still giving up chances. That I just thought Spurs to win an over two and a half goals looked a live runner at around two point two five. I can see this being two one three one Spurs. I think Brighton will get on the score sheet, um, which also brings the Spurs to win and both teams to score play, in, into play. But I think taking the over two and a half. Given Brighton's attacking issues in general, the way in which they don't finish the chances as well as we'd expect, uh, and the fact that they've actually struggled to create chances recently, um, it means that the 3-0 is is definitely in play as well, and that would also cover that. So, a uh, very pro Spurs at the minute, and obviously the, the top four, the momentum in the top four race has massively swung in Spurs' favour. Uh, they're now in for goals favourites to, to finish in the top four, around 67% chance, so... Yeah, really liking the way Spurs are sort of um, plodding along at the moment. And since I opened one of our shows with our Arsenal good, they've fallen apart. So it just shows <laughs> the power of this show. Uh, are you saying that Spurs are going to fall apart after that? Let's hope not. Nathan, <laughs> we'll see if you're as powerful as me. We'll see, we'll see if you can have the same kind of influence. Uh, lots of good bet builder options there that Jake's just outlined. And it's worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Ackers and bet builders offer is running every day. Bet £10 on Ackers or bet builders. Receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Oxford United have been firm friends of the show in the last few weeks. Stinch, we're returning to them today. Yeah, they go to Fleetwood. <clears throat> excuse me, on Good Friday. Um, this is a massive game, really, because Fleetwood flight fighting relegation and Oxford have their promotion charges fallen off the rails of recent weeks. So they're they're desperate for the points as as well. They're ten to eleven faves away at Fleetwood, um, which might might be a bet. I mean, Fleetwood have only won once in the last sixteen in in League One. Um, but Oxford did just recently go to Morecambe and despite taking the lead, managed to lose 2-1. Um, so I've, I originally was going to go for Oxford to score over 1.5 goals, but I think I actually prefer over 2.5 goals at 10-11 to 11 because it's chalked up as the outsider. Because this is essentially, this is 53rd in terms of the highest goals scored in their games this season. So both of these 
teams when they when they generally play are generally goal heavy. Fleetwood's matches have seen 126 goals this season, 3.07 per game, and Oxford's are up at 130, so 3.1 per game. So I'm a little bit unsure why Overs is the is the underdog. Um, essentially, neither team can defend really. Um, Fleetwood just one clean sheet in 16, Oxford just two clean sheets in 19, which is not really akin to a team fighting for promotion. Um, Fleetwood a goal just goal difference outside relegation zone and they play Gillingham on um, Easter Monday so it's going to be a massive weekend for them Oxford um, at four points off the playoffs now having been in the playoff spot for the majority of the season they face MK Dons on I think it's Tuesday night on Sky I think so they're a massive weekend for them as well um, MK Dons up in the uh, automatic promotion spots at the moment but I think both will see this as they won't want to rely on or wait even to go into those games both are massive games I think both will see this as a potential to get points even though Fleetwood have only won once in the last 16, I've, I've mentioned Oxford's vulnerabilities. And Fleetwood themselves have actually scored uh, two or more goals in the last five home matches against Oxford. So I think they might see this. I mean, this is a. Uh, I think Carl Robinson might be the longest manager in charge in League One, or sort of, or at least one of the longest in charge. So the way Oxford play has not changed for a while. So I think Fleetwood might, you know, fancy themselves against uh, an Oxford side that play good football, but do always give you opportunities on on the counter attack and and on on yeah. Uh, transitions essentially. Um, Oxford winless in four now as well, which is kind of what put me off trying to trying to side with them. Uh, but the reverse fixture finished three one, and Oxford were decimated that day by COVID with illness uh, and injury. So yeah, I just think back in over two point five goals makes complete sense when, it, when it's chalked up as the outsider when you consider that both teams are, are normally involved in high scoring matches. Now, we've learned this week that even the most notable of public figures have a somewhat loose relationship with the law. But we obey our rules here on Football Only Better, and one of them states that Sassuolo must be featured. So Mark O'Hare is about to oblige. Yeah, Sassuolo have found form lately. Uh, They've won five of the last seven games. They've scored twice or more in six of those seven. Uh, That includes winning away at the San Siro against Inter, defending champions, uh, and last weekend, they beat Atalanta as well. I know Atalanta had a bigger fish to fry with European competition coming up. But even still, they're now into the top half and uh, looking to finish with a flourish too. And, and it was quite interesting to hear their head coach, Alessio Dionisi, sort of challenge his team to finish strongly. Um, obviously, a team uh, a team from the province like Sassuolo to do quite well and finish in the top half is it's quite a big achievement. But there's bigger fish as well with the leading lights being tracked by big clubs too. So the players are quite keen to, to finish with a flourish too. And they do have a full squad to travel to Sardinia to face Cagliari this weekend, which is always quite exciting. That's the the awesome foursome of Domenico Berardi, Gianluca Scamacca, Habib Traore and Giacomo uh, Raspadori all playing and available. And that quartet have contributed 43 league goals and 17 assists for Sassuolo this season, which is quite the firepower really. So you almost always bat them to score because of that firepower and they're, they're actually the joint top away goal scorers in Serie A this season with 33 and 16. They average well over 1.5 XG per game uh, when playing away from home. They scored twice or more in 10 of 16 away days 
uh, they've actually achieved that feat in eight of 11 trips to teams outside of the top six as well. So you fully expect them to score and contribute against a, a Cagliari team which have unravelled of late, really. Um, five straight defeats, torn to shreds by Lazio, um, smashed up by Udinese. Uh, Juventus dominated them despite conceding early and, and winning that match 2-1 last weekend as well. Quite concerning, really, uh, particularly with Cagliari keeping just the one clean sheet all season. Uh, only rock bottom Solanatana have conceded more goals than Cagliari, and they've considered twice or more in half of their 16 home games on the island this season. So this should be a fun game. Cagliari can definitely contribute to the goal score, goal scoring, but uh, ultimately you expect uh, Sassuolo to, to have the, the lion's share opportunities. And I think you can back them at 1.9 to score over 1.5 goals. And that looks a, a really nice bet. I think we're all excited about that one. Elsewhere, Manchester United's hopes of qualifying for the Champions League have receded significantly lately, I think it's fair to say. They face a Norwich side that's taken four points from the last two games. Surely a comeback's on. It's not. It's really not. Jake, surely United can't mess this one up, can they? Uh, there's every chance. <laughs> I mean, you said that the chances have receded for the top four. Our latest Sims got them as a 1.2% chance of finishing in the top four. So 1.2%? Wow. Yeah. I mean, which... that's shambles, isn't it? When you think of the... I, I know there are massive problems with that squad of players, but in terms of the reputation and quality, it's appalling. It really is, yeah. And, and you know, what, what I guess is more concerning for me is the question of... Um, I think it's something we discussed last week is when teams are on the beach and motivation factors and all sorts of stuff like that because the performance against Everton, I mean, any team who can only manage to create 0.8 expected goals against Frank Lampard's Everton team, this is a team that we should be concerned about. And, you know, that that's exactly what they did. And it, it did make me think, have they sort of thrown the towel in? Like, Are they are they on the beach, these players? And the answer for me is is potentially... The, the numbers would suggest that they are. The drop-off in particularly attacking figures is really concerning. But then I, the second thought was, if Ralph Ranić is going to be moving upstairs, as we think he's going to at Old Trafford, surely the players would want to impress him because he's basically going to have their future in his hands. Um, so but I'm not seem... sure he'll have that much power, Jake. No? I think that's the problem. I think the issue is they've got themselves into this mess where they've brought in a project guy who would have been very, very good at kind of upending everything and changing everything at every level. They haven't given him that job. They've given him this weird consultancy role that nobody really knows what it is. And so I I think the players from the get-go have thought, well, he's not going to be around that long. And actually, I don't need to impress him. And I think that's half the problem. Well, if that is the case, then I would say that they've there's definitely a, um, a big case to be made that these players are sort of looking ahead to the summer and, and what they're going to be doing on the holidays. Because, as I said, the, the attacking numbers in particular have been astonishingly bad recently. They, and it's a small sample, but if we work off four game periods where um, the first four games of this 12 game period that I'm going to be talking about, they averaged 1.73 expected goals for per game, which was steady. That's, that's a decent attacking process. And that was at a time where they were still in the top four race, like very, really close to to top four. And the second period, so the second set of four games, the average went up to 2.49 expected goals for per game, where they were right hot on the heels of the Spurs, of the Arsenal Arsenal at the time, obviously. Um, But the more recent four games, when things have started to slip away, the attacking process has dropped to just 0.97 expected goals for per game. Um, 
And granted, they have had a few tougher fixtures in there. They have played Manchester City in that run. But they played against Everton, who have averaged 1.85 expected goals against per game under Lampard. Played against Leicester, who away from home have averaged, uh, have allowed over two expected goals against per game. Played against Tottenham. Um, I know they scored three goals, but they were all extremely clinical finishes from Ronaldo and they didn't create too many big chances in that game. So there's massive question marks for me in attack. And obviously they've lacked a little bit of fluidity on the eye, but the underlying numbers were suggesting they were actually creating enough chances to be winning games fairly comfortably. Um, The fact that they've now stopped doing that is, is a massive concern. And Anyone who would bring themselves to back United at around 1.26 against Norwich at the weekend needs to have a look at themselves. Now, I'm not saying Norwich are going to go there and get a result, but that is not a value bet whatsoever, given the way in which United are playing. Obviously, Norwich, they beat Burnley last weekend. They were a little bit fortunate potentially to do so. Obviously, if Cornet scores the open net, the game could have been different. But they've probably got a bit of renewed hope heading towards uh, to, to Old Trafford. It's still a long shot for them to stay up, but... The way in which United have been attacking it is a major concern. And it did make me take a little bit of a look at the goal line in this game because the, the goal line, if you know, if the over is to clip, you are probably looking at United hitting all three goals because of Norwich's absolutely terrible away process. Um, you know, talking about bad away form and, and away processes, Norwich is up there with the worst we've ever seen. Um, so it is a good opportunity for United to bounce back, but the way in which they're attacking, I don't know if they can take advantage of that that issue. And, and you throw in the fact that you're going to potentially have, um, you know, the fans are going to be there in force, uh, again, expressing their un- unhappiness around what's going on at the club, upstairs in particular. Um, and I do think that kind of sort of those feelings could potentially put a big dampener on this match and um, in what could be a really comfortable win, um, I think it might turn into something a little bit different. And, and if they do, you know, if it gets about an hour, 75 minutes, and, and they've got the game still nil-nil, then there's a hell of a lot of pressure going to be put on those players to, to sort of beat lowly Norwich. And um, So, yeah, the, the goal line was something I was looking at. Um, under two and a half, around 2.7 on the exchange. That appealed, um, but you can get under three goals uh, on the Asian line at around 1.85, which I think looks, um, looks a really solid bet. So if there's exactly three goals, if it's a 3-0 or a 2-1, we get our money back if it's if it's a two nil one nil 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 either way um, we get a, we get a winner and the only way it loses is if we see four goals or more and, and I just can't see this United team scoring that many goals because of the issues that they've had in attack. And doom and gloom all round at Old Trafford for that one. Back to the EFL stint. You're looking at MK Dons against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I can't believe that this is on Saturday evening. I can't believe MK Dons are chalked up as the underdog here. They're nine to five at home to to Wednesday. I'm not really sure why they're not um, slight favourites. I, I feel like these two teams are similar in overall ability, and it's kind of backed up by the the league table with both of them vying for for promotion. If you you look a bit deeper, you look at expected points. There's there's very little to to choose between them. With with MK marginally better, um, yeah. So I don't really know why MK aren't more of a sort of 13 to 10 shot here. Um, they've won 11 of the last 15 unbeaten games. Um, Wednesday are in reasonable form as well. They only lost two of the last 15, but 
away from home this season. They've only won six of 20 games and along with Sunderland, they're the only other team in the top eight with a negative away goal difference. So it doesn't really give me confidence if I was um, going to be backing um, Wednesday in this particular match at, at these prices. Um, you look at the recent odds as well. Wednesday were underdogs at home to Rotherham and also away to both Oxford and Sunderland. Yeah, MK Dons were 7-5 to favourites home to Wigan last month and arguably Wigan are the best team in the league. Um, and MK are priced up this as the same as Wednesday were for the away game against Oxford on Tuesday, which to me again says that both of these teams are equal or very similar in terms of ability. So for me, based on all of that, this this game, the way this game's priced is, is an anomaly, which gives us an opportunity to get involved. So I think backing MK Dons, draw no bet, uh, slightly odds on at 19 to 20 is the way to go. I think they should be more sort of, you know, four to six. They should be the favourites to win this game. To Liga and Saint-Étienne are battling the drop as they have done all season. Mark, what hope do they have this weekend? Uh, reasonable hope, uh, just because they're back at the, the Geoffrey Guichard where they'll have their, their fan base behind them, uh, atmospheric stadium. Um, but yeah, based on last week's performance at Lorient, uh, it's quite alarming really. They're, they're only one point away from safety, but they're still only one point away from automatic relegation as well. And they've won just six games in 31 all season, have the second worst defence this season as well. Um, as I say, that Lorient game was, was quite the shocker, really. They stormed into a 2-0 lead, uh, looked in complete control, and then just things unravel. And it was a complete collapse. Uh, pretty pretty shocking to watch, actually, and eventually lost 6-2. And, and Pascal Depraz, uh, their head coach, who's, who's quite an emotional guy. Um, you might remember him. He went viral uh, after guiding Toulouse to, to safety. Uh, the great escape, really. And uh, a video of him before the final game of the season sort of rallying the troops with a a really kind of emotional team talk um, went viral. But yeah, he called it a, a collective catastrophe and was very critical of the character and attitude of his players. So I'm expecting a response. I'm expecting a reaction from uh, Saint-Étienne here. They'll be boosted by the return of Wabi Kazri, um, playmaker forward who's very, very influential for them. He's been injured recently, but he should be back. And for a team who are struggling, they've still scored in 13 of their 16 home games. Uh, that's not bad. And uh, they're playing a Brest team who have managed just five clean sheets all season. Only one of those came away from home as well. Uh, the beauty of this is Brest are kind of mid-table, not a huge amount to play for, but pride. But they're coached by uh, Michel Desakarian, who is by nature a very front foot coach. Um, he had a pretty successful spell with Montpellier before joining Brest last summer. He's uh, employed the same principles, really, uh, a sort of carefree attacking manner. Uh, and their matches are normally quite entertaining to follow, uh, particularly away from home. Uh, and that's been borne out in the in the figures, really. They've scored in 25 of 31 Liga matches, uh, as I mentioned, just five clean sheets. And that's led to 65% of their matches featuring both teams scoring. Um, and that's an approach I can really get behind because uh, it's actually hit in 65% of St Etienne's matches as well. Uh, but actually, if we drill down to home and away records, uh, 12 of St Etienne's 16 home matches have seen both teams scoring. 12 of Brest's 16 away matches have also seen both teams scoring. So a handy 75% hit rate. Uh, and we're getting around about 1.9 for both teams to score here. So, yeah, cannot trust either team defensively. Uh, St Etienne have to go for it, really. Uh, and Brest have, uh, can just play their part, really. They, they quite like the open spaces and should enjoy playing without pressure here. So I expect them to score regardless. So both, te both teams to score. I expect that to contract before Saturday's match. Jake, informed Brentford, visit a Watford side that looks increasingly doomed. Do you surprise that Roy Hodgson hasn't had more of an impact? 
I think I need Stitches. to let Stinch answer that. <laughs> Go on then, Stinch, you first. You first. On Roy Hodgson. Am I surprised? No, no. Here's, here's the way he sets his teams up. Don't lend itself to winning football matches. And Premier League, nowadays, you haven't got much cannon fodder outside of Norwich, really. So it's very difficult to expect to to win football matches when you set up, basically, to defend for the majority of the game. So I'm sure Jake will uh, elaborate. Um, I think he mentioned before that Hodgson, while he was at Crystal Palace, obviously he did a good job. Um, but he had, I think he had better players available to him. And I think based on like expected points and that sort of thing, Palace were actually a bottom three time, a bottom three side. So basically, uh, living living on borrowed time essentially. I'll just add Roy Hodgson to the Claudio Ranieri club. There, uh, they all get together every month and talk about uh, how Stinch is quite rightly with data backing him up, lambasted them on various times in this show. Uh, Jake. So, Watford-Brentford. Brentford in very good form, to be fair to them. I wondered about them a few weeks ago, but they've actually really kicked on. They have, yeah. And um, just to elaborate more on what Sinch was saying there, the he's absolutely spot on. Um, you know, the, the kind of football that he plays, the process that he brings is just not uh, good enough to win football matches. And, you know... Admittedly, Watford weren't great, were they, before Hodgson came in? So um, he didn't have too much to improve upon. But, um, but it, did I just he need was... to be in charge from the start of the season? Obviously, that was never going to happen. Um... But had he been and he had the chance to really implement what he wants to do, I know it's not the best watch, but he has got results season after season. Or do you still think they would have been in massive trouble? I still think they'd have been in massive trouble, yeah. Um uh, admittedly, what he has done, Hodgson, is he has reduced their um, defensive process. So they've gone from conceding around 1.9 expected goals against per game to 1.6. But by the same token, their attacking process has also decreased from 1.3 to 1.0. So you've, you've bettered the defence by 0.3 of a goal, but you've made their attack worse by 0.3 of a goal. And to win matches, you need to create chances, really. Um, you can't, you know, you don't win a match by drawing nil-nil, do you? So it, it it should have been the other way around. The emphasis should be on more attacking and trying to create and outscore your opponents rather than sort of trying to shut up shop and nick a one-nil because ultimately that kind of style is just unsustainable and sooner or later you are going to get relegated playing off fine margins. So, um, yeah, they Based on our recent simulations, we've got them at around 96% chance of being relegated Watford now. So it is looking... Very, very likely that they will uh, yo-yo back with Norwich to the championship. And and it's a really op- great opportunity for Brentford um, to get another win because they, they've won four out of five. They've won the XG battle in all five of those matches. So they're actually unfortunate to lose to Leicester in the middle of that run. Um, and you said you were worried about them, Kev. I wasn't too concerned because I think one thing when you look back on the fixtures in particular... The reason they had a little bit of a wobble was because they had to play um, six of the current top eight in the space of seven matches. So once you've got past that, I know they've obviously gone on to play um, Chelsea and, and West Ham most recently, but once you got past that and into calmer waters with the likes of Norwich, uh, Burnley, and then obviously played a Leicester team. And, and you could argue that they played Chelsea and, and West Ham at decent times with both focusing on European commitments potentially. But you know their XG process over that five-game period, and to be fair, over the entire season, it's been excellent. I mean, they've, they've not really budged from the top half of Infogol's expected goals table this season, which is sort of highlights the kind of levels that they've been playing at for for the entirety of the campaign. And, um, you know, while they have had some issues 
away from home with their attack, uh, expected goals process. We have started to see uh, a little bit of an improvement in that in that regard. And you know, it, it's easy to point to the sign of Christian Eriksen and say, "Oh, things have turned around because of him," which is absolutely a factor. But the underlying numbers suggest that things were going to turn around anyway because the process was so solid. Um, and obviously, Eriksen brings that extra stardust, extra quality, the line breaking passes, his set piece delivery. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to get on side with Brentford in this game and uh, understandably the favourites for this because they are in a very good moment and Watford are struggling and Watford's home form is is atrocious. Uh, I think they've got the worst home record in the Premier League this season. But I was ple- pleasantly surprised to be able to back Brentford plus naught on the Asian handicap uh, around 1.9. So I, w- I expect that to be a little bit close to 1.8, 1.85. Uh, which basically means if the game ends in a draw, we get our money back. So you've got a bit of extra security there. Brentford don't actually win the game um, in case they draw. And, and the, like I said, the way in which Watford have been playing, it is it is difficult to see them actually getting a result um, anywhere currently. Um, they're just not creating enough chances. And, and that, that has really been their Achilles heel since Hodgson took over. And finally, Stinch, you want to take us into the National League for a bit of Hollywood glamour, a Wrexham team in terrific form. Yeah, with Easter this weekend, there's the full uh, football league and, and conference or national league <clears throat> schedule on Friday. So there might be a few people out there looking to to have a bet on uh, Friday as well. So um, yeah, I think this the this is a this is quite a big game. This is um, the two teams inside the playoffs in the national league. But Wrexham have been on a fantastic run uh, of late. They've won 12 of the last 13 games, scoring a whopping 39 goals. Uh, it's no surprise really. This is kind of coincided with the the club record signing of Ollie. Palmer from Wimbledon. He scored 10 goals in 15 games since he's arrived and he looks to have formed quite a good partnership with Paul Mullen who's got 24 goals for the season. And you just have you only have to look at the difference it's it's made at home to to see that um the, the two of them up front of a really a really scoring at will. Um they when we discussed Wrexham at, at New Year they'd managed just eight goals at the race course. That now stands at 38. And um, I don't know if you saw the game or not necessarily saw, but saw the result against Dover recently was uh, was absolutely mad. They won 6-5 and um, I think they were, might have been 4-1 down or 5-2 down with like not long to go. So, um, yeah, fantastic uh, resolve. And, yeah, they just got this relentlessness about them at the minute, um, which I think is, is quite exciting. Um, they're 3-4 to four at home to Solihull. Um, on Friday afternoon, which I think looks okay. Um, Solihull went off favourite to Halifax recently, and Wrexham were four to six at home to Halifax. So, kind of happy to accept that the price is okay in in that regard. But the bet I'm actually looking at, um, which is a bigger price, is Wrexham to score two or more at five to six. I think that's you know quite a nice jump and doesn't rely on them having to win the game either. Um, already mentioned their their scoring prowess, and this bet has won in twelve of the last thirteen games as well. When you look at Solihull against similar ability opposition this season, they score. They conceded uh, two against Wrexham in the reverse fixture, and they've also conceded twice against Chesterfield in both the games, twice against Notts County in both the games, and against Dagenham and Redbridge as well. So I don't think it's uh, relying too much on the opposition. I mean, Wrexham just put two past Stockport, who are who are also absolutely flying at the top of the National League. So I don't think it matters too much who who Wrexham come up against. So you could probably look to maybe have this bet. Um, more often uh, in the end of the season as well, especially if Wrexham end up in the playoffs. 
One of those sustainable edges that uh, Stinch is always quite rightly talking about. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so famous that it's emerged that the real reason that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars is that he gave him a dodgy tip from the Swiss Super League that ruined his weekend Dakar if only he'd listened to Mark O'Hare instead. How this works is that each of the guys come up with a selection from the weekend's action and our lovely traders wrap them up for you in a boosted treble i'm gonna start with stinch i'll take over 2.5 goals in newcastle v leicester at 17 to 20 uh, 30 of leicester's last 44 games have gone over 2.5 goals so a healthy strike rate of 68 percent yet the odds suggest here we're looking at closer to 50 50 and actually this fixture has been quite goal heavy recently 21 goals in the last five meetings so over four a game We'll talk about that game in a bit more detail in our Sunday show. Jake, what have you got for us? Um, I'm just going to sort of ride with Tottenham, I think, this weekend. Um, for all the reasons I've said already, uh, really, really uh, heading a really good uh, trajectory with Conte at the helm. And Brighton, yeah, they beat Arsenal last week, but there was a lot of fortune in that. And away from home in general, the process hasn't been great. So I think Spurs will be able to get the job done. And Mark O'Hare. Uh, I'll take us to League Two. Uh, I'm going to put Leighton Orient up to beat Scunthorpe uh, around 1.5. Nice for a little treble, really. Uh, Leighton Orient now under the stewardship of Richie Wellens. Uh, far too good, really, for League Two level. Uh, a very uh, well, he's an excellent tactical mind, but they're playing Scunthorpe, who are pretty much all but down. Chairman's resigned and left. Clubs in disarray off the field, and they've lost 16 of 19 matches this calendar year. Um, they're going down, and uh, they've been absolutely abysmal in recent weeks too. So, yeah, Leighton Orient to win. Never let it be said that Mark O'Hare does not have an eye for glamour. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of great football, racing and golf content on betting.betfair.com as well as lots of other sports from Jake, from Mark, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.